0: Good morning, everybody. So as um, John said today, as we continue with this summer teaching series, Stories of God, today we really enter into the wisdom literature and into the Psalms. Um, we want to invite you this week as you um, have a chance maybe to pray through the Psalms or, uh, and or if you engage in our weekly reading, um, Psalm 90 to 150, that these Psalms would speak to you in a way. And as John was saying, these Psalms are prayers. They're not meant to be read like every other book of the Bible. They are prayers that people are offering up to God in every season of life. No matter what it is that you're going through today, no matter uh, what you're feeling, no matter what your emotions are, no matter what your life is like right now, the Psalms give us language of prayer of how to talk to God. In a sense, the Psalms are kind of the most spiritual language in the Bible. And when I say that, I don't mean they're the most important. But they are the language that people can go to. Often I know people who read and are drawn to the Psalms if they're in a time of great crisis. If they're in a time where their life is in great change, where they're trying to figure stuff out. If they're those feelings that you don't know how to put words to. The Psalms sometimes can be the things that that in joy and in sorrow you can look at them and go, Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. That names it. And so what we want to invite you to do today is to um, kind of have a road map. As we go through today and this week about how to engage the Psalms um, and how it is that we can both learn to talk more openly with God, but also how we can ultimately be where the Psalms lead us, which is living in a place of hope, okay? A place of hope is ultimately where the Psalms take us. And so we want to talk about that today and how that hope can live and, and, as Jesus even says, abide in us, how that can become like infused into our DNA as people of hope. Okay, so let's start by praying. Lord, today as we are talking about the language that scripture teaches us of how to pray, I ask that you would give us all open minds, that you would give us all open hearts, and that you today in this week would draw us closer to you. We pray for this in Jesus' name, amen. So friends, the way that I want to talk about the Psalms today and invite us to engage it actually comes from a framework that was taught to me by a professor of mine in seminary named Walter Brueggemann. Walter Brueggemann taught for decades and wrote for decades on uh, many different parts of the Old Testament, many books in the Old Testament, including the Psalms. And um, his work on the Psalms has highly influenced me. And what Walter Brueggemann's writing and teaching on the Psalms says is that, is that what's important is that we understand that the Psalms are giving us language for every season of life. And so what he does is he kind of breaks this season of life into a cycle, okay? Says that everybody in here, that our life as it is at some point in some ways in different parts of a cycle. And it's broken into three parts. And that for each of these three parts, the Psalms give language and, uh, and meaning, uh, and ability to interface with God in each of these three seasons of the cycle. Okay. And you don't go through the season once, not like you start at the beginning and then at the end of your life, um, you know, on your, like your last day, you come to completion. This is a cycle that is ongoing over and over again. And sometimes we're in different places in big areas of our life. And in another area of our life, we may be in a different season. Okay. But the way that Walter Brueggemann writes about these seasons is that there are three of them, and it starts with a season of orientation, he says. Next is a season of disorientation, and last is a season of reorientation and that the Psalms can be broken down in these categories. And the Psalms don't work chronologically. It's not like one, if, if, it a, if it was a good Presbyterian doing it, they would be like, no, one through 39 are Psalms of orientation, and then 40 through this are Psalms of, it doesn't work that way. As we read from Psalm 90 to 150 this week, you're gonna be able to see different ones and go, I think that one's this, I think that one's this, I think that one's this. But that they all fall in one of these categories. They trace our life, because they are people praying to God in a season of life. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna start by talking about uh, psalms and seasons of orientation. Because some of us here today, that's where we are. We're gonna bring this up uh, on the screen. Not Psalm 1, do we have the the text of psalms of orientation? And which which ones those are? Do we have those? No. Perfect. Good, okay. (laughs) The good news is I've done this twice in other services, so I'm going to try to remember uh, what it is. So uh, psalms of orientation are psalms where uh, life makes sense. It makes sense the way that it is. Okay, And so you would look at it and say, um, uh, this is a season where the rules we teach our kids are working. And the rules we teach our kid is, if you work hard, good things will happen. If you study hard, you'll make good grades. If you don't, you're not gonna do well in school. So you wanna be somebody who studies hard and does the right things because that will yield good results. Those are Psalms of orientation. And sometimes when we are in those seasons, because all of us have times of orientation, right? Some of it, many of us here today probably have things where you're looking at going, yeah, my life makes sense this way. My life makes sense because this is how things are supposed to work, and I've worked hard for this, and look at what's resulting. This is how things were supposed to work. There are different psalms, Psalm 1, Psalm 8, uh, there are different psalms that are psalms of orientation, and we're going to read one of those psalms. We're going to read Psalm 1, which John led us through the first few verses of. This is a psalm that talks about orientation, and this is what it says. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law they meditate day and night. They are are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. And all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is a great example of a Psalm of orientation, right? This is how life's supposed to work. If you meditate on the law of the Lord, if John says you're one of the the tree people, which I like, and you kind of have this examined life, then good things should happen to you, right? And if you are one of the wicked, if you don't do that, and if you are bad, bad things will happen to you. We look at that and we read that and go, that's right. That's how things are supposed to work. And there are seasons of life where we can look and go, man, my life is really in a good place. Things are working out the way I hoped. These, these psalms give language to that. And what the psalmists of, and the psalms of orientation are teaching us is that when we are in that season where it's like things are good, we need to like name that. It's important to name it and to abide in it and to give thanks for it. I don't know if any of the rest of you are that are this way, but for me, most of the time, I only appreciate a season of life when it's in the rearview mirror. Does that make sense? I usually look back on a season of life going, I should have enjoyed that more. I should have taken more advantage. I should have been happier in that. I should have felt more at peace with that. But I am someone who lots of times when things are good, I'm like ready to charge on to the next thing and ready to climb the next mountain and ready for what the next obstacle is supposed to be and ready to not feel content because I want to feel challenged or, or I'm waiting and kind of worried because things are good now, but what might tomorrow bring? I don't know. Like, you know, you just go, you got to be prepared because the, you know, the sky could start falling. So we got to be ready for that. And you realize that in Psalms of orientation, there's a spiritual calling that says, if you are here today and your life is in a place where you're like, man, things are really good right now, that it's actually a great spiritual thing to let these Psalms help you to go, thank you. I actually need to abide in this place and feel the joy and feel the contentment of this and giving thanks for it is a spiritual exercise. Psalms of orientation help us to pause and to spiritually accept and to be grateful for and to develop hearts of gratitude when things are going well. This is a really important spiritual dynamic, okay? So Walter Brueggemann's saying that all of us have this. I wonder who today is sitting there going, yeah, that kind of feels like my life right now. Things are actually going really well. Things feel like they're actually moving in a positive direction. I've been working for a goal. Goal feels like it's been achieved. I look at how my children and my grandchildren are doing. It looks like things are kind of going the way we've been working. Things actually seem pretty good. Those are good moments. The psalmist can help us to give language to stop and give thanks. Psalms of orientation, seasons of life, of orientation. However, as we all know, those seasons do not always last. And that's where Walter Brueggemann says that we, in our lives, it's not that God takes us here, but in our lives, we move into a season of disorientation. Because sometimes you can read Psalm 1, and you can sit there and go, oh, yes, man, you know, good things happen to the righteous, and bad things happen to the wicked, and they're blown away by chaff, and I'm seeing that. But then all of a sudden, you can hit a season of life where you're going, actually, that doesn't feel right anymore. It feels like I'm doing everything right, but I feel like the chaff that's getting blown away. I feel like the person who, as he writes here, has sunk into the pit. It's a very descriptive term, and yet it means something, right? Many of us, I know I do, have seasons in your life where you're like, yeah, I know that feeling. I know what it's like to feel like I can read Psalm 1 and hear that, and yet it doesn't really feel like it applies to me today. Because I feel like I'm trying to do the right things, and yet bad things are happening. If any of you have seen uh, the TV series Friday Night Lights, you'll have an idea of what I'm talking about. Friday Night Lights, if any of you have seen it before, is uh, a wonderful series about a Texas high school football team in the town of Dillon, Texas and the life of the entire community revolves around this high school football team. It is, it's really a great show. I watched it years ago, um, but now I'm rewatching it, and I live in Texas, and there is so much more that makes sense to me uh, about that show now that I live here, and I'm really uh, enjoying it. If you've not seen it before, um, uh, there, there's, a, there's a main character, and this isn't destroying the, the series, you, can, you should still watch it, but in the first episode of the first series, Uh, there's a moment of great disorientation, just to kind of fill out what this means. We first meet, in the first episode, an all-American quarterback for this high school football team named Jason Street. And Jason Street is kind of the all-American guy. He is charming, he is humble, he is good looking, he is dating the head cheerleader, he has scholarship offers to go play college football at schools around the country. It looks like he's gonna accept an offer from Notre Dame to go and play there, and people are saying he's the best high school quarterback they've seen in years, his team is ranked nationally, the community loves him, he's a Christian, uh, he follows, You know, things are going well. And then in the first game of the season, towards the end of the game, if you've seen it before, Jason Street throws an interception. And as the defender catches the interception and begins running back down the field, Jason Street tries to tackle him. And he does, but in tackling him suffers a spinal cord injury and is paralyzed from the waist down. Essentially, the rest of the series of Friday Night Lights all is a result of that moment. That moment of disorientation where Jason Street's life changes forever and the fortunes of the football team and of the coach and indeed of the entire town are really left responding to this moment. And there is this one glimpse when Jason Street is lying in the hospital having just learned that he will be paralyzed from the waist down and may never recover when one of his friends walks in and in tears looks at him and says, things like this aren't supposed to happen to people like you. That's disorientation. And I guarantee you, every one of us knows that feeling. Things like this aren't supposed to happen to people like me. Things like this aren't supposed to happen to people my age. Things like this isn't what I planned my life to be about. Seasons like this, times like this, events like this, pain like this, loss like this, betrayal like this. These aren't the things that I was meant to experience to the point that it can drive us to our knees. Psalms of disorientation give language to what that's like in all of our lives because all of our lives will go there in different ways. Psalms 22, 50, 74, 137, these are examples of psalms of disorientation. We're gonna read the first eight verses of Psalm 22 now. The psalmist writes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our ancestors trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and they were saved. And you they trusted and they were not put to shame. But I guess I'm a worm and not human. Scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. This last quote is the words of the scoffers. It's the ones who are teasing and mocking the psalmist who are going, right, yeah, commit your cause to the Lord. That's working for you. Psalms like Psalm 22 give us language for how do we respond to God when we're in these times because most of us as human beings, we kind of don't do well in moments of pain. We don't handle pain well. There's this sense in us that's kind of like, you know what? I'm going to bounce back and I'm going to come back and I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and I just got to kind of keep moving. I got to keep trying to keep a positive attitude in this. Psalms of disorientation are saying, no, it is right and it is good. And it is actually important for you to sit in the middle of pain and name it and name it before God and name your anger and to name your frustration and to name your confusion. To name the places when you look at your life that don't work, not to bottle them up. If what we say at times is true that God most wants a relationship with us, relationships are built on honesty. And it is not a relationship with God when we bottle these feelings up inside and just don't express them. God is inviting us through the language of the Psalms to say, I want your anger. I want to know, I want to know what it's like. I want to journey with you in this. And so these give us the language to sit in pain, to sit in those places where we're saying, why have you forsaken me? I call out in the day and I hear nothing. Why have you forsaken me? I call out the way my ancestors did and I heard the great stories about how you worked in someone else's life and yet you leave me in silence. Why have you forsaken me? These are the words that Jesus himself cries out from the cross. It's okay to be angry with God. God will respond. This gives us language for how to be in this place. I wonder who here today, if you were being honest, said that describes where my life is right now. If you want to know where my life is right now, I mostly feel anxious. I mostly feel scared. I mostly feel let down. I mostly feel like a disappointment and feel disappointed in the life I'm living right now. The psalmist is saying, name it. And if you can't, let me name it for you. Orientation disorientation. But Brueggemann says that in all of our lives, and as people of faith, we hold on to the fact that while disorientation is real, and pain is real, and cannot be denied, it is not where we end. That there is a third and final movement, a movement towards reorientation, where God restores and redeems And the good news in this, friends, is that this is not work where we're just sort of set back to the way things were before. It's a new way of being. It's a new life. It's a new chapter in our story. It might be a totally new direction. And we don't have to be good enough or follow enough rules to qualify for reorientation. If you are in a season of disorientation right now, it is not because you have done something where God is punishing you. It is not because you deserve it. It is not because you're forgotten. It is not because you're a disappointment. It is not because you've let God down. God is in process of redeeming and restoring. And the Psalms finally give witness and bear witness to the fact that our God is a God who redeems brokenness, hope, experience of God's grace and faithfulness that rescues us from the pit. Psalm 23 is this way. Psalm 40, Psalm 107, Psalm 150. We're finally going to pull out Psalm 107 and read the first 15 verses of it. This is a psalm of reorientation. It gives language. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, say those who he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the land, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. You see here, let's go back real quick. You see that in this slide, it's different than slide, than, than Psalm number one, where we started. Psalm number one was, you know, I will be good if my life works this way. This is saying, no, we have been redeemed. This is a psalmist who knows incredible pain and has seen the other side. The redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed from trouble. All right, let's keep going. Some wandered in desert waste, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and the hungry he fills with good things. The psalmist is saying this is like those times when it's like you are a wandering person in need. Any of you ever felt that way? That you are wandering in the dark and you come to a town and when you come to this town the psalmist is saying it's like every door is shut to you and every light is turned off and there is no one there to help you. It is like that place where you feel completely alone and lost and then the moment when you look down the street and there is one light burning in a window that beckons you to come in and to be welcomed. The psalmist is saying that is what reorientation looks like. That moment when that light turns on and you give thanks. Some, some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in misery and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Sometimes our disorientation is our own fault, the psalmist is saying. Sometimes when we're in conflict or our relationship in conflict, we love to point out how the other one is to blame for that. But the psalmist is recognizing the truth that we as followers of Jesus must realize. Sometimes the the reason that we are in disorientation is because we have rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. And then they cried to the Lord in their distress and he saved them from their distress He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their bonds asunder. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind." Finally, the psalmist is saying that even if the distress or the pain or the misery you cause, you're looking at going, I feel like I'm to blame for this. I feel like that this is partly on me at some level. Even if you feel guilt or about shame about what you've done or temptation that you've given into or a rule that you've broken or something that you've done again and again and again or you've let somebody down, the psalmist is saying here that the Lord breaks those bonds, that the Lord reorients our life and we give thanks This movement of orientation to disorientation to reorientation is the story of every single one of our lives. And the Psalms give language to how we pray to God and speak to God and hear from God in every single one of these seasons. I wonder where your life is today. I wonder what language the Psalms might give you to interact with God wherever you find yourself. Because as we engage this and as we let the Psalms do their work, we are finally, friends, reminded that we are a people who find hope in the reorientation of God. We are a people who have not been forgotten. God is not in your pain or in your loss overlooking you or paying more attention to someone else or waiting for you to learn your lesson. Our God is a God who sees pain and brokenness and redeems. The Psalms finally remind us of that. That's what we've learned throughout this series. We saw that, for example, in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve had an oriented life where everything was working the way it was supposed to. But then, as the Psalmist writes here, their sin and their desire going, no, 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 no. We know better how life should work. Thank you very much. We will make some decisions based on our own enlightened viewpoints. Got them where it gets us when we do it, which is, to a catastrophe. And yet, as they make mistake after mistake and their life becomes more and more confused and confusing, God doesn't abandon them. God doesn't say, well, you reap what you sow and so that's just how it's gonna work for you from here on out. God takes and reorients their life in a whole new way. Doesn't go back to the way it was before, but he gives them a whole new direction, a whole new sense of family, a whole new sense of purpose, a whole new sense in how to move forward and to live their lives with purpose and creation. We saw it again in the book of Exodus, where the people of God went into slavery in Egypt, going to avoid a famine. But as they grew in numbers, the powers of Pharaoh and the powers of the government at the time clamped down on them and locked them into bondage. And they cried out to God saying, where are you? Where are you? Why have you forsaken us? And God doesn't get angry at their cries and God doesn't get angry at their anger. That God responds by sending Moses, responds by delivering the people to freedom and not just to freedom to back where they were before, but reorients them into a whole new place as God's covenant people journeying under the Torah, under the law, under the promised land. They've gone in a whole different direction now. We will see that again as we move into the New Testament, As the followers of Jesus believe that their lives are oriented because they know the Jesus and they know the secret handshake and they know the Messiah and they're going to follow him and he's going to do all this great work and then their lives are turned upside down when their leader, the Messiah, the teacher, the rabbi who they have seen do these great works is nailed to a cross and dies and cries out in pain as he dies, God, why have you forsaken me? They lie about knowing him. They hide and live small lives out of fear, which we do every single day. But God doesn't leave them there. The power of Easter and the power of the resurrection comes. And they are then reoriented into a whole new way where they move from being fishermen to being people who charge out into the known world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their reorientation has changed all of our lives as we sit here today and has changed this world forever. Friends, you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. The Psalms, yes, give us language for wherever we are, but the Psalms remind us that we are a people of hope. Hallelujah and amen. amen. Let's pray together. We ask this day that you would give us direction, life, and our pain meet us and reorient and transform us as your people. We pray this and trust in this in Jesus' name. Amen. If there is any place in the life of the church